Let us be attentive. Sing praises to our God, sing praises. Clap your hands, all you nations. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, I would remind you in what terms I preached to you the gospel, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold it fast, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also unto me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God which is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Peace be with you, the reader. Wisdom arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with all. Let us be attentive.
Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's gospel passage is commonly known. It depicts a conversation between Jesus and a young man, supposedly, who seeks to live a good, a good and godly life, yet he struggles with attachments for the earthly life. The evangelist Matthew gives us this story, and we have all heard it from the time of our youth. The story also uses comparison, a particular comparison that's quite abstract and perhaps even desperate if taken literally, namely the passing of a camel through the eye of a needle which is used to describe the chances of a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Once again, this is not to be taken literally. So what is this gospel about then? What is this gospel lesson supposed to teach me today in the year 2022 here in Minneapolis? After all, Jerusalem is far, far away, a different culture, and it was a different time about 2,000 years ago that this lesson first came to us. You see, when the young man asked Jesus what he must do to enter a life of eternity with God, he was looking for something really quite fundamental, something essential perhaps something basic that would be all-encompassing. But it is also entirely possible, entirely possible that this man might have been looking also for an answer by which he could justify a flaw that perhaps he knew he had. You see, we're not dealing here with somebody who isn't faithful. Clearly, this man is faithful. Clearly, this man is educated. He's well-read. He answers to Jesus. When the Lord Jesus begins to relate to him the Ten Commandments, he answers to him saying, I know these, and I have been keeping them. Further yet, this man also knows that he is approaching, what? A good teacher. So he is seeking out Jesus precisely because he knows by this point that he is likely to receive an answer that would bring him further and greater enlightenment, a greater illumination of perhaps the very things he knew 
and the very things he had been practicing. Now, I'd like to believe that he was looking for that fundamental, basic, all-encompassing thing. I'd like to believe that he wasn't mischievous in the beginning of his conversation with Christ, that he wasn't simply looking for justification. In fact, I really believe he sought Jesus so that he can gain greater and deeper understanding. What does the Lord Jesus tell him the second time? Basically, Jesus tells this man to detach himself of all that he possesses and live a life of oneness with him and his disciples in the work at hand, serving people. This is what the Lord asked of him. The Lord told him, pointed out to him, that he, along with his apostles, were doing a certain different type of work to aid people in their growth toward oneness with God. And the Lord Jesus pointed out to him that his own attachments of the heart to the temporary aspects of this banal life that we live were holding him back from this type of dedication. Now, sadly, that detachment, that step of growth toward God, that man could not do. He was not able, he was not able to separate himself from all the temporary things he had amassed, even though he desired eternity. I would say this is the struggle, this is the depth of the struggle for all of us, rich or poor. In fact, very few of us are so wealthy such that we never have to worry about material or financial limitations. Yet all of us have attachments to the overabundance of material and temporary riches. All of us seems to struggle. All of us seem to have this very strong obstacle to overcome. You see, we take things for granted. Of late, we've heard the statement, uh, first world problems, right? It's a really nice hashtag. But the truth is that we have come to consider some very unnecessary things as absolutely necessary. We have come to consider riches, 
that are really just for our extreme comfort as needful, when in fact they are not. We have become attached to comforts such that we have turned things of comfort in our own minds erroneously into basics. I can't quite remember when, but several years ago, I remember reading some statistics in preparation for some for a lecture I was, I was supposed to give or something along those lines, but essentially I remember reading that if I am of a household that brings in $50,000 a year, I am in the top 2% wealthiest people of the world. Now, this statistic is, is old. However, I'm quite sure it's the same proportionally even today. Think about it. To be part of the 2% wealthiest people of the world for bringing in 50,000 a year. The reality is that most of us, at least in the United States, do earn that in our households. In other words, we have a lot more than we think, and we tend to forget what basics really are. Earlier this week, I sat down for confession with a sweet soul of the elderly age group of our congregation. And this person, with gentle and beautiful words, was relating how, as age advanced, as prayer increased, as attention increased, she began to feel a greater blessing in the basics of a glass of clean water to drink. While earlier in her life, she would have never thought of that. Perhaps all of us experience such new awareness, such new awakening as we get older. And perhaps these are the basics that we ought to teach. You see, because all of us struggle to keep in check our love for the temporary aspects of our lives, such that it becomes impossible for us to really allow the love for the eternal world to become manifest. All of us struggle with that. And that struggle is real. And that struggle seems like Mount Everest before us. That struggle is, however, conquerable. Indeed, you and I 
were made and equipped and endowed with the gifts and the strength and even the love to conquer precisely that kind of mountain, precisely that kind of obstacle, that kind of obstacle that lies not somewhere around us, not in a barrier, not in a person that might actually dislike us or hold us back, that obstacle, that Mount Everest that lies deep within each and every one of us. That humongous obstacle indeed can be torn down because you and I have imprinted in us a love for God which comes from God himself. You and I have in our hearts a desire for eternity with God which comes from God himself. Put together, brothers and sisters, the desire of your heart for God with the love of eternity and with a little bit of discipline, with a little bit of work, we can begin to shed those attachments. Amen.